Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. your Bibles, turn to the book of James chapter 3, because we're going to be jumping in here this morning. But before we do, man, for those watching, joining us online, for those in person, we're going to have a moment of honesty, right? We love to be authentic here at RLC, and so we're going to have a moment of honesty. And so I'm going to ask a question. If you feel like that question pertains to you, like yes, if you're a yes, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. Some of you are like, I'm a first-time guest. What's he going to ask of me? Just If this question happens to pertain to you, you just raise your hand. The first question, I have a strong feeling. It's an inclination. I'm no prophet, but I believe every hand is going to go up. Okay, I'm just just letting you know that I, I just have this strong feeling. You ready? How many of you have ever said something and you wish you wouldn't have said it? See what I'm talking about? Because for those of you who didn't raise your hand, that means you are mute and you've never said a word. All right, because we've all said something that we were like, as soon as it flew out of our mouth, we were like holding on to a fishing reel, like, come back. And we know we couldn't get it back. All right, so we're all in the same boat. How many of you know that sometimes the tone in your voice can be a little aggressive? Just a little, not a lot, just a little. Like, we're good people here, so just, just a little, right? How many of you know that the gift of sarcasm is not the 10th gift of the Spirit? Okay. I argue with that one with the Lord all the time because I think it should be, but, but it's not. So this morning, what we're doing is we're realizing that all of us here, whether online or in person, we are all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Now, here's what I'm going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to ask the person on the computer to push a button, and you're going to see some words on the screen. And all I'm going to ask you to do is read those words to yourself, right, in your mind. Don't say a word, but just read those silently. All right, there's going to be two different screens. So here's, here's the first screen. Take, take a look at this, and I just want you to read it silently. You know what those screens tell me? Those screens tell me that what we say and how we say it matters. What we say and how we say it matters. Because when you read the first screen, you were like, oh, I thought this church was kind and nice and welcoming, and you just told me I was a, you know, I was a mistake, and I, I'm, not worth, I'm not worth anything. But then you read the second screen and you're like, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for me and a purpose for me. But you see what that means is what we say and how we say it matters. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at James chapter 3. Because we're in this whole series just unpacking the book of James segment by segment. And it just so happens this morning that we're going to be talking about taming the tongue. How do we tame our tongue? So here's the text. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Woo. Uh, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I don't know if you caught on to that text right there, but if you say, oh, I'm always great with my words, I've never said anything wrong, then what you are declaring from your mouth is that you are perfect and that you can keep your whole body in check. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, 
They are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Man, what an encouraging word from the book of James this morning. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. As in, you see it, right? You go to a show and you're like, these dolphins listen, sea lions listen, lions listen. But the tongue, on the other hand, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. How many, right, at this moment in your life going, I'm never going to speak again, right? Everything is vomit. Uh, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this what should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James unloads with these 12 verses, 14 verses right there. And he, he begins to use strong analogies for the power of the tongue. He, he, he spends almost an entire chapter speaking about our speech, what flows from our mouth. And I don't know about you, but when you read that, it, sometimes you're like, James, can you ease up a little bit? Like, can you just put the brakes on? Is it, it seems like your tone may be a little bit aggressive with me. I mean, you just told me my words in itself, like they're from they can come from hell. Like my, when I get there, that seems a little aggressive, James. And we're like, you just need to calm down. But I wonder if James knew what we know, that there is life and death in the power of the tongue and without a greater force working in your life from the inside out that you will, you will struggle to have significant change in this area of your life. Because the scripture says what it's untamable. On your own strength and in your own power, it's untamable. Let's look at another verse. It's Psalm 141 verse 3. It says this in the NIV, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now that's a great translation, but I want to use a different translation. I want you to see the TLB for a minute because I think it may speak to some of us this morning. Help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. Right, if that's not the daily prayer of our lives, Lord, help me to keep my mouth shut. Right, if that should be like when we're sipping our coffee and having some Jesus time, God, today, Lord Jesus, today, through your strength and through your power, would you help me to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed? Woo, right? What would that do in our lives if we began to put that into practice? Did you know that a chameleon's tongue is twice the size of its body? Did you know that, that a, a blue whale's tongue weighs the same as a Ford truck? 5,400 pounds is the average weight of a blue whale's tongue. Right? In the ocean, he speaks, everybody's like, ah, man, he's gossiping, right? I mean, it just goes everywhere. But our tongue weighs two to three ounces. Yet we know that when we speak, there is, there is a moment when we say something that it could have serious consequences. Our tongue is so small yet so powerful. And so this morning from the book of James chapter three there, I'm just going to pull out some facts about our tongue, about how we, spiritually speaking, from the book of James. Here's the first one, if you're taking notes, is the tongue is a bridle. One of the things on my bucket list is being able to go to the Kentucky Derby. It's not that I love horse racing. I just want to go to for the experience, right? And I want to see my wife all dressed up and have one of those cool hats on too. So there's a little side thing in there for me too. But, but I just want to be able to go and see that experience. 
Because in, in the block, in those starting gates, right, the, the, uh, a thoroughbred that, that's built with that kind of muscle and ready to race weighs about 1,000 pounds. And you'll see it. They pull into the starting gate, and you just see those horses. They're rearing back, and it's just, it is just pure power. So if you ever ask somebody, hey, how much horsepower is your car? Do you see where you get that word from now? It's the power of that horse. And so that horse is in the gate. It's ready to take off. On top of that horse is a jockey that weighs somewhere around 100 pounds. Okay, so you got this 100-pound jockey on top of this 1,000-pound horse. They're just waiting for that gate to open, and then the race begins, and you just see this this horse take off because those horses were built to run. They can run forever. Yet how do they direct that horse? How do they get that horse to to be able to go in the direction they want him to go with a 5-inch steel bit in its mouth, pulled by a 100-pound jockey? And yet this 1,000-pound beast full of muscle just goes wherever he pulls, Wherever he moves that rein, with that bit in its mouth, it begins to steer. So what is James letting us know here with this analogy? He's letting us know that there is power in our words. There's power in our words. Think about when someone says, I love you. I believe in you. You mean the world to me. Think about it from the spouse perspective. When you look at your spouse, when you look at your wife and you're like, girl, you are fine, right? What what are you doing? You're, you're, You're saying and you're speaking life over someone and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere changes because you're speaking life. But just as we saw from the text on the screen, what happens when someone says, I can't stand you, I don't believe in you, I don't ever wanna see you again, I want a divorce, don't speak to me ever again, you're worthless. What does that tell us? It tells us that your words can either tear down or build up. Your words can either tear down or build up. But here's the thing, you get to choose. You get to choose how you want to speak to people in this world. You get to choose how you want to speak to your kids. You get to choose how you want to speak to your spouse. You get to choose tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work and you're like, ah, it's Monday. How am I going to speak to my coworker today that annoys me? You get to choose. You get to choose how you want to speak. But here's here's my challenge to you. Um, If you believe that by tearing somebody else down, you're building yourself up, what does that make you? You want to know what that makes you in the Pastor Lance version of the Bible? A jerk. That's what that would make you. If, if you. if you are like, oh man, the way that I feel better about myself is tearing other people down, then that makes you a jerk. And I don't know what it is with the word jerk. I often say it. I don't, I don't know. It just is what it is. Maybe it's the, it's the Jesus version. I don't know, but whatever. Uh, but the tongue is a bridle. It, there is power in our words. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is the tongue is a rudder. Cruise ships. The average cruise ship is a thousand foot in length, right? If you've never had the experience of taking a cruise, it's phenomenal. There's, I mean, unless you don't like people because you're on top, you're very close in proximity with thousands of other people and there ain't nowhere to go until that boat gets to land, okay? So you're stuck with all these people, whether you like it or not. But this ship is steered by a rudder. They say that a rudder is around 2% the length of the hull of the boat. So if a boat is a thousand foot long, the, 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 the rudder is 2%. So on a giant ocean liner that's carrying thousands of people, weighs hundreds of thousands of pounds, it's steered by a rudder that's 20 foot long. And wherever that ship wants to go, the rudder will turn and take that ship. And here's the deal about cruise ships is, is you, can't, you can't by your will make it go a different direction, right? You can't be in Lake Erie on a boat and go, I hope this boat ends up in the Bahamas. It's going to. I just know. I just feel like we're going to go, and we're going to take the scenic route, and we're going to go up and all the way through, and then down. 
until the rudder is turned, that boat is not going to move. As much as you want it, as much as you will it, it's not gonna move until that rudder moves. Why? Because the rudder is navigating the direction of the ship. The rudder is also giving the directional change to the ship. When the rudder turns, the ship turns. So what does that tell us about the power of our words? It tells us that our tongue is directional. It's directional. So my question is this, are your words drawing people closer to Christ or closer to you? Right? Are your words drawing people closer to you or closer to Christ? You, that's, that's the power of our words. They give direction. Are we speaking life over people in a way that they go, man, I, if I want to know how to follow Christ, I just listen and watch what that person says and does. Or are we drawing them closer to ourselves and what we want and what our agenda is? And so we get to make that decision when it comes to our tongues, understanding that our tongue gives direction. The third thing, if you're taking notes, is the tongue is a spark. It's a spark. We've all seen, we've all watched the news, we, and some of us have experienced maybe this and in live scenery where a spark was given and a forest begins to burn, right? It just took that one spark. I, I, I think about a forest and do you know how many years it takes for a forest to grow? Years and decades for a forest to begin to, to have life and to reach its maturity, yet in just one moment, one spark, one day, it's burned to the ground. And then it takes another years, more years and more decades for it to rebuild. Our words are very similar. We say a comment, we say a phrase, we, 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 we give a wound, we give a jab, we make a, a, it's just a dig, right? It's just sarcasm. But what happens is it's in that moment that, that those words can speak into someone's life and cause great devastation. It's that one spark, it's that one phrase, it's that one dig. And here's what we know about fires is they don't just stay there, right? They spread. Uh, in 2020, in the state of California, right? We're all locked down in this global pandemic, right? In, in the state of California, they had 9,917 fires that burned almost 4.5 million acres. Most of those started by a spark. The, the, one of the largest ones was started at a, I think it was a gender reveal. That's all it took because of the, the dry grass, the dry weather, the drought that takes place in California. It's one spark, millions of acres gone. Homes destroyed with one little spark. And what's, what's, what's happening here in the book of James, they're saying, listen, that's the same power your words can have. You can say something to someone and it can spread like wildfire. And two years later, they're still struggling to rebuild because of what you said, because of how you said it. And because of technology, we have the impact, of th we have an opportunity to impact thousands from miles away across the oceans because of technology. So what does this tell me? It tells me we need to learn to tame our tongues and train our thumbs, right? We got to tame our tongues and train our thumbs because we make posts and we send out things and it's a spark and then it turns into a, an inferno and you know what it does? It scorches everyone and everything in its path. And it's like, well, how do I get that back? You can, it's out there. You can delete it, but how many hundreds of millions of people have already been impacted? So maybe before we post, maybe we should ask ourselves a few questions. Maybe we should ask ourselves questions like this. Does what I'm about to say, what I'm about to post, when I hit send, does this build up or encourage? So if you're like, but I'm, I'm defenders for truth, and so I have to say it. Well, does it glorify, another question we should ask ourselves is, does it glorify God? Or better yet, does it detract from God's glory? Right? Does it bring him glory or does it detract from his glory? And, and in this moment, 
As, as the scripture says that we are ambassadors for Christ, we are representatives of Christ, is what I'm about to post, is this me being a spokesperson for his mission or my agenda? Right, when I hit send, is, is this gonna make him known? When I hit send, another question we should ask, is this gonna put a stain? Or is this going to bring clarity to the cause of Christ? It's a lot easier to see clearly than it is through a stain. Right? It's a lot easier to see the bottom of the ocean floor when you're in the Bahamas in Clearwater than when you're standing in an inch of water in Lake Erie. Okay? You, you can see clearly. And so are we bringing a stain or are we bringing clarity for the cause of Christ? Bob Goff says this. I love Bob Goff. If you ever had a chance to read any of his books, we're going to be doing a study on Wednesday night here in a couple of months by Bob Goff. He says this. Don't be right, be Jesus. Right? Don't be right, be Jesus. Because how many know, sometimes even when you're right, you're still wrong. Right? And Bob Goss says, listen, don't have to worry about being right. Just be Jesus. How would Jesus handle this situation? How would Jesus express love in this moment? Well, let's look at what the Bible would have to say. So there's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus, what do you want to do with her? What does your word say? You are the word. You're experiencing it. What do you want to do with her? Well, we should, we should roast her on social media. That's what we should do. We should take pictures of her, half naked, put it out here. This is what happens to a woman who's caught in the very act of adultery, and we're going to stone her to death. Jesus didn't say that. And you're like, well, it didn't, he didn't have social media, so he doesn't have the pressures that we would experience. No, he actually loved the way he said he was going to love. And so he loved her in that moment. And he said, hey, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone. And what, that means all of us get to walk away. So if everybody in that moment got to walk away, maybe we should walk away in whatever situation it may be in. All right, we'll get off at number three, the tongue is a spark. Number four, the tongue has been a problem since the day you were born. That's another fact. The tongue has been a problem since the day you were born. How many of you have ever taught your kids to say the word no? No one? How many of your children have ever said no? Who taught them? Like who taught your kids to say no? Who taught your kids to be mean. You don't have to tutor your children. Like, hey, we're going to have this after-school program. I'm going to teach you how to be mean. No, there's, there's in all of us, there's, it's called the sin nature. No one has to teach us. We just like to say the word no. We just, we just know that inside of us, there's, there's something that pops out that can get ugly, that can get mean. And the scriptures calls that the sin nature. G James says, man, the tongue is a world of evil, right? It's outright evil. But we don't have to teach it. It's inside. Number, th number five is the tongue is untamable. If, if taming your tongue was up to you, you'd be walking around with a bar of soap in your mouth all day long, right? Like, don't, can't say that. Ah. But it's not up to us. You see, we don't have to walk around wearing a muzzle all day long, being silent because, oh, what am I gonna say and how am I gonna say it? And so, so I just, I'm just gonna be quiet. I'm not gonna say anything. Did you know that there is hope, my friends? That we can go to one who is greater than us. We can go to one who has unlimited power and potential that we can say, God, I need your help in this area of my life, and he will come to the rescue? He will. He'll show up in ways that we didn't even think. You're like, there's no way that, that he's going to be able to help me. If, if, if you knew the way that I talked behind the scenes, then what? He can help you. He truly can. And so are we willing? Because from birth, we see it's an issue. From the day we were born, but I know that there is one who is greater. There's one that's greater. Did you know that the tongue is, when, it, when he says it's untamable, you're like, well, well Pastor Lance, how are we going to do this then? 
because I'm going to make a pivot here in a moment. We're going to talk about how do you tame the tongue? How do you tame it if it's untamable? The issue is that humanity can't help, but divinity can. Humanity can't help you, but divinity can help you. He's going to be there to guide us, to help us, to make sure that what we're saying can be life-giving. Number six, if you're taking notes, and this is the last fact about our tongue when it comes to our spiritual life from the book of James, is the tongue is twisted. Fig tree bear olives, right? Salt water and flow from fresh water. This, this doesn't work. An orange tree is not going to bear apples, right? And you're like, how can the tongue bless and curse? How can the tongue help and hurt? How, do, how is it that we, in the moment at church, like the worship team's just going and... Uh, Two parts of that team I thought were extra, extra special this morning. Just saying, No, I'm just kidding. But the whole team was great. But, but here's the deal is, is in a moment, how do we go from this worship moment where we're just like, God, I surrender to you with my, I, my heart and it's yours. And now, God, in this moment, there's hope, there's healing. And we're just like, ah, right, ah. And then 10 minutes later, we dismiss from church. And then all of a sudden, a car pulls out in front of you. We go from praising to cursing in 10 minutes. Like we want to tell the person our feelings in front of us because they pulled in front of us and now how you need to know how I feel, how your decision impacted me. Uh, let me tell you about it. Like, I think sometimes maybe in that moment we should just hit the brakes, put our hands high and surrendered, close our eyes and just worship the Lord. Lord, help me not to hit the car in front of me. If I do, it's your will. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, but how is this possible? Because the tongue is twisted and we get it twisted. We get it twisted. This, I'm not sharing this story with you. This is not a pity party. I just, I just want you to hear me. There's a moment in time where I realized there are power in words. So the, I started kindergarten at the age of four. I realized that my parents didn't like me enough to keep me at home, and so they kicked me out and sent me to kindergarten. But they never sent me to preschool. Like here at Radio Life Church, we have an amazing preschool called the Growing Place Preschool that prepares you for kindergarten. Like it's legit. So if you have Toddlers, that's where you want to bring them, I'm just telling you. Because next thing you know, they're going to be out reading you, and they're three years old, okay? But, but I never went to preschool. So all of a sudden, now I'm in kindergarten. And towards the end of the year, of my kindergarten year, I mean, I was rocking it out with some letter people. How many know what letter people are? How many of you went to school and learned with some letter people? I know how old all of you are now. But, uh, but there's this moment where I was rocking it out with some letter people. And then every now and then the teacher would say, hey, can, can someone read like this line or this sentence? Well, there came a, a moment where they would say, hey, Lance, could you read this line? And you would hear the sigh in the room. Like, oh, not, not Lance. This is gonna be, we're going to be here for a while. And so I would stutter over my words and I, I didn't understand what I was reading. And so then going into first grade, they said, hey, we're going to put you in a, in a different reading class. I was like, oh, I like different reading class. Um, I didn't know what different meant. And so we're in this giant large room, you know, there's 30 kids in this room. And then during reading class, all the other kids are here, but in the same room with no walls, they move you over to this contraption that I have to put on my head that makes me look like a Martian. And I'm, I'm sitting over here and, and, it's, and what's it designed to do? It's designed to help me read. But all the other kids see me and a few other kids off to the side with our Martian, you know, earbuds on. They didn't have Dre beats or anything like that. And right? We had Walkman. We didn't have Walkmans yet. And so you put these contraptions on and you're listening and it's trying to help you read. And then you look over and you see your friends. And how many know kids can be mean? So it was in that moment where you'd see kids making fun of you. And then after I was done and I put that down and I'd come sit back with the rest of the class, kids would say this, why, why do you sit over there with the, and read with all the stupid kids? Mm. How many know in first grade when someone calls you stupid, that's fighting words, right? And I was like, okay, 
So it was in that moment where I went, well, that's not going to be me. There is no way you're going to be making fun of me because I failed. That's impossible. And so what did I do? I started to teach myself to read. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn this. I'll never stutter again. You want to hear me talk? I'm going to talk for days. Right? And so I put these things on. I learned. And so that fueled me. That fire fueled me. Those negative words, they pierced my soul. And I was like, you will never be able to, to associate me or say mean things to me again. So I'm going to learn to read and I will show all of you how good I am. That was great in the moment. But here I am 40 years later and you still hear those words. And I go, you know what? It still fuels me, but not in a positive way because now you get driven by something because you're afraid of failure. You don't want anyone to ever say to you, why are you stupid? Why did you fail? And it was in that moment where I realized that, that there is power in your words, whether it's negatively or positively, what you say is going to have an impact. It's going to impact someone's life for the negative or for the positive. And you get to make that choice. Words will always have an impact. Did you hear me? Always have an impact, either positive or negative. And so what do we do? How, how do we get the help we need to be able to make sure that our words are life-giving? We're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to tame our tongues. Psalm 19:14 says this, May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be what? Pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. The words, right, that flow from my mouth, that come from my heart, be pleasing in your sight. And so I want to give you real quick three ways to tame your tongue. The first way is this, pause. Just hit pause. Right? How many know when you're watching TV and kids come to a room and they start talking and you're like, I can't listen to the TV and listen to your mouth at the same time. And so you tell your kids to get out and come back an hour later. No. What do you do? You hit pause. Yeah. Because you want your attention. Only one thing can have your attention time. So you hit pause. And you're like, okay, what does he have to say? Well, maybe we should do that in our lives. Before we speak, should we just hit pause? We covered this three weeks ago from James chapter 119. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. What? Everyone, everyone. Everybody, you, me, everybody should what? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Hold your tongue. Don't say anything. Wait a second. Pause. It's hard to get in trouble for negative thoughts that you never speak. Because it's up here. If you will just hold, if you will just pause and go, okay, God, is this, is this going to build up? Is this going to encourage is this going to inspire? And you pause, just pause. Number two, how do we tame the tongue through the power of the Holy Spirit? Number two is ponder, right? Ponder. These are, I know these are big words. It's a lot to write down. Okay. Pause, ponder. Lord, help us to think before we speak. How many of you have ever seen the think method, right? The acronym for think. It's this, it starts with T. We, is it true? Are we throwing around half truths to make ourselves look better or look good? Or is what we're about to say true? Because I'm going to know a half-truth is still a lie. A quarter of a truth, a three-quarters of a truth, 99.9% .9 of the truth, it still can be a lie if we're, if we're holding off on something. So is it true? What I'm about to say, is it true? H, is it helpful? You know, we have an opportunity. Do we come into a situation or an opportunity where we're bringing lighter fluid or a fire extinguisher? How many know that you can show up to a fire and bring lighter fluid and be like, we're going to have a party. Where's the marshmallows? Because I'm going to roast you. Right? Or you can show up with a fire extinguisher. What, what's a fire extinguisher do? It takes down that fire. It de-escalates the problem. And we have that opportunity. Our words are like escalators. They're, we're either going up or going down. Right? We're bringing people up with us or we're tearing people down wherever we go. So is it helpful? 
eye, is it inspiring? Right? Is, is what I'm saying, is this, is this pointing people to myself or to Christ? Is this moving people closer to Christ? Is this bringing in life-giving relationships? The people in my life that have dreams, they want to they they see something big for the kingdom of God. Am I, am I empowering by the words that I'm saying? Am I speaking life into their situation? Uh, when it comes to my friendships, and, and, I, and I, am I inspiring relationships or am I loading them up with baggage that they're going to have to carry the rest of their life? Is it inspiring? And is it necessary? We say this all the time. Just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it. Right? Just hang on to it. Pastor Lance, you don't understand. If the Bible says, no, I do. I, I, I get that. But is, it that, is that the right time? Is that the right moment? Do you have the right tone? Do you have the right attitude? Are you approaching it with grace and mercy and love? Remember, Jesus is what? 100% truth and 100% grace. We tend to be one side or the other. But maybe we should be more like him and go, man, is this, is this really necessary? Do I need to say it? And then the last for K is, is it kind? So here we have a softball team that plays on Monday night uh, in, a, in the bar league. We have a softball team that plays on Tuesday night in the church league. And I tell the guy, all the guys before the game, hey, listen, do me a favor. Don't argue with the umps. Don't argue with the umps. One, it's a testimony to, to who we are as followers of Christ is, you know, are we arguing because we didn't get our way? And, but here's the, big, here's the thing too. He's not going to change his mind. Now, here was the problem. As I told everybody, I've never seen an umpire change his mind. No joke, three years ago, ump goes out. The other team starts arguing, and the ump goes, hey, pitcher, do you think he was out or safe? And he goes, I think he was safe. He's like, okay, good, safe. Go back out there. And I was like, you changed your mind. I've never seen this happen. And I, now, I don't know. I've got to come up with a new tagline to say. But, but here's the deal. Be kind. Be kind. You're not going to argue your way out of it. He made the call. And most of the time, they're never going to change it. Just be kind. Like, hey, ump, man, that was a call. Not the right one, but it was a call. Like, ump, your glasses are great, but did you ever think about designer glasses? Like, can I help you with that? <laughs> is what I'm saying kind? Number three, and this is how we'll end it. So we need to ponder. We need to pause. And number three, it's life-changing. Let's pray. Let's pray. Do you ever hear the old saying, and some of you are like, I've never heard that saying. It's okay. It's, it's an old saying. Um, that would make me old. What's it say? It says, uh, loose lips sink ships, right? Loose lips sink ships. But what if there was a new saying that said, praying lips builds bridges? Like, instead of just sinking ships and playing battleship with our words, how about we pray and we begin to build bridges to people's lives, to damaged relationships, that we would be, we would, we would, the whole heart of God sending his son is that we, we could be reconciled back to him because the gap, the, the chasm, the gap of our life to God the Father, there's a huge gap and it's because of our sin. And so he sends his son that that gap would be filled, that we would be able to approach our father through Jesus. Why? Because it's restoration. It's reconciliation. Is our heart the same? When we pray, are we praying for reconciliation and restoration? Are we preserving the lives of others? Luke 6, 45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
gossiping tongue, do you know what that reveals? A gossiping heart. A lying tongue, do you know what that reveals? A lying heart. Because it's, it's this gap, right? Where out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. So that means taming of the tongue is a spiritual condition. It's something that we need help. And we can say, God, would you give me the help to be able to close my mouth and seal my lips? 1866, there's a man by the name of Alfred Nobel. And he invents something that's a game changer. It's called dynamite. He realized that he could take nitroglycerin and put it in a, a stick form and it would have great benefit to mankind because now it's, it's, it's time to, to begin building roads, clearing, clearing land. And they would be able to put these sticks of dynamite in and be able to blow up rock and move dirt because they didn't have the equipment that we had today. And so this was gonna be a change agent that was gonna make, make it so much more convenient to build roads or build bridges. It was going to impact the livelihood of, of mankind here in America. But soon nations discovered it for another purpose, and that was for war. You see, dynamite was created to build society, but it was also used to destroy society. So after Alfred Nobel, comes up with this great creation, the end of his life, he was so impacted that it was being used for something to, to destroy, to devastate, to bring down. He donated his entire fortune to the establishment of the Nobel Peace Prize. He didn't want his legacy to be connected to destruction. He wanted his legacy to be connected to peace. Dr. Tony Evans, who I love listening to, man, he can preach fire. He said this, as people, we also have dynamite in our dentures, meaning that we have the equivalent power of dynamite just in the very words that we use. So how do I close the service? How do we, how do we end? Remember, this, is, this isn't like I just went and picked a text because I was like, oh, all of you struggle with this. We're just unpacking the book of James one segment at a time. This is the largest portion of text dealing with our speech that's all connected together. Because you can go to Proverbs and, and Psalms and you can find, you know, uh, one or two, but, but there's 12 to 14 verses right here connected. So James is really trying to get our attention. Remember I said this book is practical and it can also be a punch in the gut. Anything that we ever unpack here in the church, we gotta ask ourselves, what did I just hear? What did I just learn? What am I gonna do about it? Because I don't think we have to pray and end and then you leave with road rage in 10 minutes. I think it's very possible through the power of the Holy Spirit that when we leave today, we're empowered through the Spirit, through His presence, that when someone says something, does something, wrongs us, hurts us, speaks ill of us, that, that we could respond in a completely different manner. Not because we contain the tongue, but because He contained the tongue. So this is what I'm gonna ask you to do with your eyes closed and your head bowed. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird. I'm gonna ask two questions. One is this, you can't tame it on your own. You need, you need a greater power. You need the person of Jesus Christ in his presence and his spirit living inside of you. 
And that happens. We sung songs this morning about surrender. That happens when we surrender our life, our will, our hearts to the person of Jesus. And we come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Because then it's not about us. It's not about what we control and how we're going to speak. It's about he has control of us. Now, when I say control of us, he's not a puppet master. He gives you the free will. But it's through his spirit. It's through his presence that we, we begin to experience life change. We begin to speak differently because we see people differently. We no longer see them as worthless. We see them as his gift and his child, his creation. So if you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, and this is that moment to surrender, all I'm gonna do is ask you to raise your hand because all we wanna do is be able to pray with you this morning. So whether you're watching online or in person this morning, there's gonna be a moment for you. A host would love to pray with you. But if that's you with no one looking around, would you just slip your hand toward heaven so we could pray for you this morning? Yes, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. My second question is this. What area of your tongue do you need to surrender? Do you need to pause? Do you need to ponder? Do you need to pray? So when you leave today, you go, man, that was a word that I could apply to my life, because I know God is going to help me to pause. So if you're here this morning in person or you're watching online, if you just, you just say, hey, I just want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that I, have, that I, I don't have a loose lip, but I have, I have a praying lip that's gonna build bridges and not sink ships or people's lives. I wanna be able to speak words of truth, words of grace, words of life into every situation and every relationship that I have. But I need his help. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, like Pastor Elaine said, we need your help. I'm sure so many of us in here and online, just like me, we've tried changing the way we speak. We've tried taming our tongue. We've tried being more disciplined and redirecting. And yet we know at the end of the day, our best efforts can end up completely worthless apart from you. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to really say the right things and to even think the right things. God, for you to change our words by changing our hearts. God, help us, help us to mirror you in everything that we say. That Help us to be people that do take time to pause and think about the things that, we're, that are getting ready to come out of our mouths. God, help us to, to ponder and to think about what you would have us think on, to focus on things that are right, things that are, are, are lovely, things that we should focus on, and help us to be people that take time just like now to pray and ask for your help, ask for your guidance, not just in these special times where we get alone and pray, but in the everyday moments of life where we need your help. Jesus, we thank you that you are helping us even now, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.